Episode 29, Some Basketball Stories, 1983-1989. During my six years as athletic director at Marceline, the girls' and boys' basketball teams had some successes and some disappointments. The girls' team was coached by Kurt Llewellyn, until he left in 1987. Michael Shellman took over as the coach and was leading the program to steady improvement before his untimely death in 1994. On the other hand, the boys' teams struggled with inconsistency throughout those years, having five coaches in six years although one of the coaches never actually coached the team in a game. Therein lies an interesting story. Brian McLaughlin had been the assistant coach to Larry Rawlings for a few years when Larry left Marceline in 1984 to go to Rawls County. Brian resigned his teaching position that year to move to Arizona and to work as a travel agent. The school hired a new person as the coach. He started practices at the normal time of year, although the football players weren't done with their season yet. One day, Principal Bill Lewis called me to the office. He told me he wanted me to take over basketball practice for the new coach while he and Superintendent Mark Yaley had a meeting with him. He wouldn't provide any more details. So I went to the field house after school and explained to the players that I would be leading practice at least for a few minutes after about a half hour, the coach walked through the field house and down to the coach's office. I assumed he was changing clothes and would be taking over in a few minutes. But to my surprise, he walked back through the gym a little later, carrying a cardboard box. He didn't stop to talk to me or the players. He just kept walking on out and never came back. After practice, I found out that the coach had resigned effective immediately. Not only did the team not have a coach, the school was missing a social studies teacher. And it was the second year in a row that a social studies teacher had left after only one quarter. We were really in a pickle. I certainly didn't want to take over the team for an entire season, and no one else on the staff did either. But as we were searching for an answer, we got wind of some very good news. Somehow it was communicated to the school that Mr. McLaughlin was not completely happy in his new location and career. Phone calls were made, 
and it was agreed that Mac would return to take over teaching and coaching duties. There was just one hitch. Brian felt that he needed to give fair notice to his employer, so it was going to be a few weeks before he could take over. So we needed an interim coach. The first person I thought of was Cotton. I pleaded with him to help me out and coach the team through the first few games of the season. It was not an easy thing to ask of him. The football players had just joined the team after their season had ended, and they had not practiced much at all. And the season was going to start right away with a tournament at Minden. After I made my case to Cotton, he made me an unexpected offer. He said he would coach the team until Mac got back, but only if I joined him. So we coached the team together through the first two weeks of games. We didn't set the world on fire, but we did our best until Mac returned to rescue us. I guess if you count Cotton and me, the team had seven coaches in six years. Telling that story reminds me of another time that I filled in for a basketball coach and Cotton bailed me out of a tight spot. I wasn't the athletic director then. In fact, it was 1971, and I was a first-year teacher and an assistant to Cotton in both junior high football and basketball. The varsity coach was Jim Coyle, and he had a very good team. But Jim had an accident and broke his leg. He had to spend a night in the hospital, a night when a game was scheduled. There was no assistant coach, so I was asked to fill in for him. I should mention that I was an ambitious young man at the time, and I thought that I was going to be the best basketball coach that Marceline had ever seen. There was no girls team at that time, so a boys junior varsity game was usually played first. The opponent was the Milan Wildcats. I wanted very much to get an impressive victory that night. Two wins would be even better. So in the JV game, I played most of the starters for three quarters. A player could only play in four quarters in one night, counting both the JV and the varsity game. As a result, I had only a few substitutes available for the second game for only one quarter each. I didn't really think much about the consequences of that decision. I just wanted to win, which we did. I wasn't very aware how much better the MHS team was than the Milan squad, 
but it quickly became apparent that the varsity game was going to be a rout. I'd like to say that I felt some sympathy for the Wildcats, but that would be a lie. I really wanted to beat them as badly as possible to make myself look better than Coach Coyle. Besides, I was so limited in my ability to substitute that the varsity starters had to play most of the game. The result was a 104-72 drubbing. Now, here's where Cotton enters the story. The losing coach did not meet me to shake hands after the game. I was so full of myself at the time that I didn't have a clue why. So, after congratulating the players, I started down to the visitor's locker room to shake hands with the coach. Somehow, Cotton suddenly appeared at my side and volunteered to go to the locker room with me. I was so dumb that when I got downstairs, I was amazed when the Milan coach started after me. Cotton interceded, got between the coach and me, and surely saved me from getting a well-deserved punch in the face. It took some time for me to realize what an ass I had been that night. I later apologized to that coach, and we even played golf together a few times. But I still cringe when I think about how immature I was at that age. But now back to the 1980s. While the basketball teams of this era had their ups and downs in terms of win-loss records, the school did make progress on some other goals related to the programs. Ever since the new field house was opened in 1973, Board of Education members had pressed the administration to host a basketball tournament. We were finally able to do that in 1984. This tournament ran for over 35 years before scheduling problems forced its cancellation. We really wanted to host a district championship in basketball, but we were never able to persuade the Activities Association to grant us that but we were able to become the neutral site for several Class 1A quarterfinal playoff games. Even though our school's teams were not eligible for that class, the games were exciting and made a lot of money for the booster club through the concession stand. One last story about basketball. While we had an excellent facility for basketball and wrestling, we were always trying to make improvements. Sometime during my time as athletic director, square backboards began to replace the old fan-shaped ones. 
The basketball coaches pressed me to make the switch, but new backboards were very expensive, and I was reluctant to use athletic department funds for the purchase. So I went to Superintendent Mark Yaley and asked him to buy the new backboards with district money. He countered with a proposal. He would flip a coin. If he won, I would use money from the athletic fund. If I won, he would buy the backboards. Well, I lost the toss. I paid for the backboards out of our account. It wasn't the only time Dr. Yaley and I flipped a coin to decide an issue, but the funny thing is, he always called the toss heads. I never won the toss, and I never saw the coin after he showed me that he had won. Anyway, while these years did not include the most successful MHS basketball teams, I felt that the programs were headed in the right direction when my time as the school's athletic director ended in 1989.